0: Author Media presents Novel Marketing, the longest running book marketing podcast in the world. This is the show for writers who want to build their platform, sell more books, and change the world with writing worth talking about. I'm your host, the professor of book marketing Thomas Umstead Jr., and today we're going to talk about behavioral psychology, marketing psychology, and how to motivate readers to buy your books. Uh, the better you know what motivates readers, the better you can motivate them to read your book this is the heart of marketing but please use it uh, for good in fact i should give a disclaimer i've held off talking about marketing psychology for the first 6 years of this podcast this is the first i'm talking about it because these techniques are so powerful they can be used uh, for evil. In fact, a lot of what I'll be presenting wasn't taught in any of my marketing classes in college. I wasn't introduced to the behavioral psychology side of things until I met privately with a professor who quietly gave me the book or lent me the book, Predictably Irrational, it talked about how people are irrational and predictable and in influence influential ways, ways that you can influence how people are irrational. This is very powerful, what I'm about to uh, teach you, and it can be used for good, can also be used for bad. So with great power comes great responsibility. Ethical marketing is about helping people make decisions that will benefit those people. If you are using this uh, to help people make decisions that are harmful to them, you're not just harming uh, your customers or your readers, you're also harming your own soul. So do use this for good, not for bad. I don't normally give ethical um, qualifiers at the beginning of episodes, but uh, this whole category of episodes, and there may be more, um, these really are powerful techniques that I'm about uh, to teach you. So uh, social triggers are the kind of category that we're going to be focusing on uh, in terms of marketing, psychology, and specifically the social trigger of urgency. So we're going to talk about in this episode. And I should uh, point out, That social triggers and marketing psychology, behavioral psychology, all of this, when it works together, is what creates fads. It's what creates frenzies like beanie babies, Black Friday. It's even often behind stock market bubbles. So, if you want to create a frenzy around your book, you need to understand how these principles work. Now, they don't work on everyone, certain people are immune or somewhat immune to social triggers. Uh, So sociopaths, psychopaths, uh, some people on the autism spectrum, and and perhaps some others uh, are resistant to social triggers. But almost everyone else, uh, these are very effective on. Uh, So while you may want everyone to be hyper-rational, that's not how people are. Uh, Human beings are irrational in predictable ways. So you have to dance with the way people are, not with the way you want them to be. So, With that out of the way, let's talk about urgency and talk about why urgency works, and then we'll talk about how to create urgency for your book. So urgency is self-evident, how powerful it is. Um, You, as an author, do more work for your book right before the deadline. As a student, you studied harder the day before the test than you did a week before the test. We tend to procrastinate, and we tend to wait to the last minute, and often the most urgent thing Gets our greatest attention. Why is it so powerful? Well, because tomorrow never comes. We never live in tomorrow. We only live in today. <laughs> and I think the modern education system really trained us to wait to the last minute to act. I think urgency as a psychological motivator is more powerful now than it was, say, 500 years ago when almost everyone was farmers, right? You can't cram for the harvest. You have to do a lot of work ahead of time for the harvest, but you can cram for a test. And and as a strategy, that's a decent strategy for getting through school. And so we're trained to wait until the last minute to act. And for the majority of people, there has to be blood in the water to move them out of apathy and into action. Urgencies, why deadlines are so motivating for writers, and why even indie authors who don't have real deadlines often create artificial deadlines just to motivate themselves to act, whatever it is that they're putting off. And if you're struggling, it's the beginning of the year, you're struggling with hitting your writing goals, perhaps your challenge is not enough deadlines. So uh, if a reader can put off buying your book till tomorrow, they will never buy your book because tomorrow never comes. If a reader can put off reading your book till tomorrow, so they've bought it, it's on their, uh, it's in their house, but they haven't started reading it yet. If they can put it off until tomorrow, they'll never read your book because tomorrow never comes. And so if you want to get people to act, you've got to create a sense of urgency. So let's talk about some ways to do that. I have seven methods for you to create urgency. These are techniques, specific techniques that you can use that I've seen other authors use. Uh, You don't necessarily want to use all of them, in fact, uh, I don't think it's a good idea to use all of them, uh, but it's a good idea to to think about ways of creating urgency if you want to increase your sales. So the first method is uh, what I call a launch window bonus. So this is where you give a bonus to people who buy your book in the first two weeks or four weeks of launch. It's up to you how big the window is. I uh, the broader the window is, the less urgency there is, right? So it's like everyone who buys my book in the first year, that doesn't create very much urgency. But if you make it too short, like everyone who buys my book in the first 12 hours, suddenly it's difficult, right? It's it's difficult to let everyone know about the window and it's difficult uh, for people who missed it. So the ideal is typically uh, two to four weeks, maybe one week if you have really fast interactions with your Readers, but it's nice to have your window be at least as long as the pay period. (laughs) So, just in case, like somebody needs money in order to buy your book, Uh, Michael Hyatt uh, did this very famously with his book Platform. He put together a bundle uh, worth hundreds of dollars uh, for people who purchased his book in the first two weeks of launch because he was really trying to hit the bestseller list, and so he wanted to get as many sales in that short window as possible because the count for the New York Times bestseller list resets every week. This is not a total number of sales. You can have a book that sells really well every week, but never a whole lot in any one week may never hit the New York Times bestseller list, which is why like a dummies book, for instance, you'll see it sold hundreds of thousands of copies. And you're like, this was never on the bestseller list. And it's like, yeah, because it never had that surge. It never had that urgency. Um, So that's what he did. And he put together a bundle full of prizes. And some of the prizes were things that he created to give away to people. And other things were prizes that he recruited other people to donate. I I, I seem to remember him reaching out to us uh, back when I was running Bestseller Society about a prize of some kind, or maybe we reached out to him, and I don't remember if we were in the bundle or not, but I remember um, there being some discussion because he was reaching out to lots of other folks uh, to get them involved in this big promotion, and it created a big event and a great uh, sense of urgency. So what would you put as your bonus in your launch bundle? Well, some short stories. Uh, could be good, especially exclusive short stories might be interesting, especially if they're uh, in your story world with your character. If you're writing nonfiction, perhaps some guides or a tip sheet, uh, some printables, you know, something that's useful, <laughs> something that people want that they'd be willing to pay for. Uh, if you're doing nonfiction, maybe you have a course companion that goes along with the book. Maybe you give it away for free for the first two weeks to create that sense of urgency. Uh, discount codes on products. Uh, it can be very motivating, and you, it doesn't have to be on your products, right? All of these things you can borrow from other authors, and the, you can put together a bundle of similar authors, right? If you're writing urban fantasy, you can have short stories by other urban fantasy authors that are in your bundle, if you'd like. Uh, if you're writing nonfiction, you can have other experts on your topic who put together goodies, and this is great for them because it gives them an opportunity to introduce themselves to your people, um, and it also gives Gives your people a sense of urgency to act now, so they can get uh, the bundle. Of course, this all depends on having an email list, right? If you can't tell anyone about the launch bonus, it won't do you that much good. Which is why email marketing is so key. So all these different things to talk about on the podcast—they all work together. Uh, but yeah, partnering with other authors is really powerful. And you know, if you're looking for other authors to par- uh, partner with, you know, feel free to use the Novel Marketing Facebook group <laughs> and see if you can find some other authors who are uh, writing similar uh, works to yours. Uh, and I do want to say, though, that the bonuses have to be actually valuable. Uh, so this tactic was way overdone a few years ago by authors who were giving away useless prizes and readers got a little burned on the bundles. And I don't see this tactic used as much uh, because of how overdone it was, uh, but it's still a solid tactic. If you put together a valuable bundle and by valuable, I mean, people would pay you for it. And, and even better, people do pay you for it then this tactic is very solid. All right, so let's talk about the second method. Uh, And this is a limited first edition print run. So first edition print run prints of uh, Harry Potter, uh, you know, the most recent one that sold on auction sold for I think $60,000 or $70,000. People love owning first editions of a book. And uh, for a lot of indie authors, they kind of have an unlimited first edition because their book is print on demand. And I think that this is a mistake. (laughs) I think there's a lot of power in having a limited hardback first edition, and then you go print on demand after that. Even if it's only 100 copies or 200 copies, uh, having that limited quantity creates a sense of urgency as readers are racing against each other to get copies before they sell out. This also uh, hits on some other social triggers I'll be talking about in future episodes. A limited edition first uh, print run uh, is very powerful from a marketing uh, psychology perspective. Uh, I actually did this by accident or kind of discovered this by accident with my book. So uh, when I launched my book years ago, I wasn't thinking about uh, marketing psychology when I did it, which was perhaps a mistake, at least not with the book launch. I was with the Kickstarter campaign that led up to it. But when I printed the books or or I made the order, the print on demand order for the books to fulfill to the Kickstarter backers and to sell at my launch party, there was a glitch on the spine of the book. And uh, what I decided to do was go ahead and sell them. You know, people had the option if they didn't want the one with the glitch, they didn't have to take it um, because it was fixed and we did have fixed ones, but there was that limited number of glitched ones. And the way I presented it with these are like rare, uh, flawed versions, like a flawed coin, right? It's this is a rare version. It's how, you know, this is from the initial printing. And a lot of them had signatures in it and people love that. They love having the one with the glitch. It wasn't a major glitch, but it was very obvious on the spine, uh, that the, uh, spacing was off. We ran out of time and the launch party was scheduled way ahead of time. We already had the venue booked. Um, uh, Many things I'd have done over if I could have done it over again, but it ended up working out because it created scarcity, which is again a social trigger we'll talk about in another episode. But that scarcity also created a sense of urgency and it created a rare kind of printing of the book. And as it is, I think I have uh, a small handful of these (laughs) copies left. Uh, And the only way to get them now is either buy them from somebody uh, who is at that party, buy it from one of the Kickstarter backers, or buy it from me. from one of my a few remaining copies. I also did this. Uh, you all heard last week when I, did, uh, or actually the last several weeks, I've been talking about the mastermind groups. The novel marketing mastermind groups are limited to ten people per group, ten in the pre-published group and ten in the published group. And you know that limit wasn't an artificial limit, right? Now the whole point of a mastermind group is that it's small enough for everyone gets to know. Everyone else. And also it needs to be small enough where we all fit on a Google Hangouts (laughs) video call. Um, So it it was a real limit, but it did create a sense of urgency as those slots started filling. Anyone going to the Patreon page could see, oh, there's only five slots left. There's only three slots left. That creates a sense of urgency that motivates people uh, to act. And and as I record this, the pre-published group's completely sold out and there's a waiting list of folks trying to get on. There are a handful of spots left in the published group. So if you're a published author and you're wanting a mastermind group, there are a handful of slots available for you. See how that works? Urgency is a very motivating thing. <laughs> All right. Now let's talk about method number three, uh, which I'm calling First Buyer's get a bonus. Uh, This is similar to method one, where everyone who buys in a window gets a prize, right? Everyone who buys in the first two weeks gets this bundle. And there are ways of setting it up, especially when it's in a time window where, you know, you set up an autoresponder and everyone who emails an email address automatically gets an email back with the response. Uh, But you you can do it instead where you limit it to the number of people. So the first hundred people who email me their Amazon receipts get the bonus bundle. Uh, This kind of urgency protects you if what you're giving away is super valuable or you have a limited quantity available. So if you're giving away T-shirts to everyone who buys your book or something really expensive, you don't want to go bankrupt giving away 10,000 T-shirts. It also works best if there's some way where people in real time can see how many spots are left. So from a technical perspective, this way is harder to do. It's more work. You have to have a higher level of technical sophistication uh, to do it well. And in general, I recommend that you go with the launch window bonus rather than the first X number of people bonus. But you can do it either way. It's up to you. Some I've seen authors do it both ways, and there are, are pros and cons uh, of each. Now, the fourth method is what's called free pulsing or price pulsing. Uh, so price pulsing is when you, for a limited time, reduce the price of your book. And the key here is for a limited time. And you have to tell people it's for a limited time. If uh, Otherwise, they just assume that that is the normal price. So uh, for, uh, price pulsing is when you reduce the price for a limited time. Uh, stores do this all the time, creating sales. That's why it's why it works. <laughs> and the reason why stores continue to have sales is that the strategy continues to work and it creates a sense of urgency. Uh, and then free pulsing is the same idea. You just bring it down to zero. The advantage with price pulsing as a strategy is that it works with older books. So far, the other tactics I've talked about for creating urgency are for creating urgency at launch, but you can price pulse a book at any time. So you can price pulse a really old book if you want. You can also use this at launch if you want to. We have a whole episode on price pulsing, episode 108, and I have a link to that episode in the show notes, but I should tell you that price pulsing is how James L. Rebart, former host of this podcast, became a best-selling author. His publisher price pulsed down to zero, so his book was free for a short period of time. He got a ton of downloads in that window, and then it created a firestorm of buzz. We had thousands of people talking about. His book to their friends. And those friends then came and paid full price for the book. Uh, And they didn't necessarily know about the free pulse, right? Their friends are telling them about the book. Somebody may get the book for free and then it may take them weeks or months to finish the book. And that it's during that time that they're talking about it. So it's a way of kind of triggering word of mouth and creating a sense of urgency. It's a really powerful strategy. And especially for older books, if you have a deep backlist, periodically price pulsing those books where you reduce the price and you let your list know that the price has gone down. Maybe you work with a service like BookBub to help spread the word that the price is down for a limited period of time, and it can create that frenzy of buying, which is what we all want. Uh, The fifth method of creating urgency is another launch method, and it's called collective action. Uh, And this method works best if you have a passionate following, people who want to see you succeed, either because they're connected with you, like they really like you uh, as an author or or as a person, right? If you have some celebrity, or if they really like your cause, they're they're behind you politically. And it's the appeal that if everyone buys in the first week, we can hit the bestseller list. If you're wanting to build this, giving away things for free is one of the best ways of uh, connecting with your audience and building that goodwill, right? So uh, Michael Hyatt, was giving away free blog posts for years, really helpful blog posts, and he built a really passionate audience that helped him with his list. Uh, You may be giving away free YouTube videos or giving away free podcast videos, something where you're in front of people frequently and they really fall in love with you. And then when you ask them, hey, you know, this podcast you've been listening to for the last two years and you haven't paid any money for it. Well, if you would buy my book this next week, I have a chance to hit the bestseller list and that would really help me out. You've built up enough good goodwill. You've built up enough reciprocity where they will say, yes, I will buy your book. You know This is how Ron Paul's political manifesto hit number one on the New York Times bestseller list. Ron Paul was not ever a popular politician. He never polled more than like 5% or 10% of Republicans, right? So he was not a like... The kind of person you would expect to hit number one on the New York Times bestseller list, but his passionate following, his small passionate following, all bought his book on the same week (laughs) and they helped him hit uh, number one on the list uh, because they wanted him to rank because they supported his ideas. Now, so this method is hard to use if you're just getting started. If you don't yet have a passionate following, asking, you know, your 100 friends or your 500 friends, hey, if you all buy my book, I'll hit the bestseller list. Uh, first off, it's a little disingenuous because 500, even if they all bought your book all on the same day, it wouldn't uh, help, or at least not any of the published bestseller lists. You might rank high on Amazon for a few hours, but it wouldn't help you in the long run. Uh, but as you build a bigger audience and, and as you build more of a an emotional connection with that bigger audience, this can be really powerful. All right, the sixth method of creating urgency for your book is the reverse coupon. So a reverse coupon is when you raise the price at some point in the future and you tell people when that is going to be. And this is a really common strategy for creating urgency. Maybe you launch your ebook and for the first two weeks, it's $2.99 and you tell everyone that after two weeks, the price will jump to $5.99. So it's like a coupon, but instead of the price going down, you're warning of the price going up, which creates urgency now so that people want to buy your book before the price goes up. Uh, it's also a great way of trigger, triggering FOMO, right? Fear of missing out because people don't want to pay a higher price when they know they could have paid a lower price. And I will say that of these strategies I'm talking about, uh, reverse coupons have one of the higher FOMO factors. Although there's an element of FOMO, fear of missing out to a lot of these, right? Oh, I missed out on the launch bundle. I, I missed out on um, the discount. I missed out on the bonus. So, so there's FOMO with a lot of these, but the reverse reverse coupon, like people, like it hurts them to spend more money than they could have. So it's very motivating. Uh, this is how we created urgency for the five-year plan. Uh, it, you know, we knew, we realized that we had priced it way too low. And so we raised the price several times and we're continuing to raise the price. But we always give lots of warning ahead of time. And one one of the things I like about this method is that it's also a way of raising the price of a product without alienating Your audience, because you give everyone who knows who you are and is listening to you, either on your podcast or in your email list or however you're communicating with them, lots of warning. (laughs) So you're actually doing them a service, right? You're not like secretly in the dead of night raising the price on your book. You're warning people, hey, in a week, the price is going to go up. Now's the time to buy it. And so they're like, thank you. When people hear about that, when they hear that a price is going to go up, their response is always, thank you. And it allows you to raise your price without people complaining, right? Imagine if your gas station said, hey, we're going to raise the price on gas tomorrow, right? You'd want to know that information while simultaneously it creates urgency for the gas station to get people to come in and buy their gas today. All right. uh, The final method I'm going to talk about in this episode is live events. Uh, Live events are a very organic way of creating urgency because they are live, right? Uh, When I watch a Netflix show or a Disney Plus show now, since we've canceled Netflix, uh, I can watch it anytime. I can watch the Mandalorian anytime. But if I want to watch a football game, there's a built-in urgency there that is organic. It's not contrived at all, right? You're either watching the football game live or you're not. I mean, it's not live. It's not as fun. And you have to stay off social media so you don't know who won the game. Uh, And so if you can connect your book with a live event and specifically connect either the buying of your book or the reading of your book to a live event, it's a great organic way of creating urgency. So maybe you throw a party for people who've already bought your book, right? The ticket into the party is having purchased your book and maybe they can buy the book at the door to get into the party. Now, I know a lot of you listening are introverted Writers and that is okay. <laughs> and the idea of parties doesn't excite you, but you know who is excited by the idea of parties? Extroverted influencers. They love parties and they, um, and those are the kinds of people you want to attract to your book. Because if you can get extroverted influencers to talk about your book, you're going to sell a lot of copies. You don't need to be an influencer. You just need the influencers to be influenced by you. So maybe having a launch party and real life launch party. I, I'm shocked that more authors don't do this, but then I'm not shocked because I remember most of us are introverted, and so the idea of throwing a party is is really exhausting. But it can be an incredible way of selling your book at full price uh, to people in your real life community. Uh, but there are other ways of doing this, right? If you're writing a nonfiction book, you could do a Q and A webinar for people who've read the book and have questions, right? If your book is on parenting or on relationships, you can have a special Q&A webinar two weeks after the book comes out uh, for people who've read the book to ask questions. You could even do a QA and a webinar about a novel, uh, a little trickier to, to make that interesting. Uh, but if, if you already have a passionate following, that could create a sense of urgency. Uh, putting spoilers in your novel is actually a really great way of creating urgency. This is how Marvel has uh, been able to blow the box offices off, right? They put these big spoiler events in their movies. And so you want to find out if your favorite character died or not, right? Or if half the characters died and you don't want someone to spoil that for you. And so you want to go and watch the movie the weekend. It comes out before everyone's posting their spoils spoilers on uh, the internet. And you can maybe host a spoiler discussion, uh, you know, a spoiler discussion with the author, you know two weeks or three weeks after the book comes out, and the only people who'd want to come to an event like that are people who've already read the book. And this is great because it doesn't just create urgency to uh, buy the book, but also urgency to read the book, which is what you really want. right? If somebody buys your book and leaves it on the counter, or leaves it on the side of the bed, and never reads it, they're never going to recommend it, and they're never going to read another book from you. And so it's really important to create urgency not just to buy the book but also to read the book. Now, I'll say there's more ways to create urgency than these uh, seven. Uh, th- this is more just to kind of get you thinking in the right direction. And if you see authors creating urgency in some creative ways, or if you've done it in creative ways, post on the Facebook group, the Novel Marketing Facebook group. We'd love to hear your ideas. I'm always keeping my eye out for creative and clever ways of kind of getting back to these marketing uh, fundamentals and creating urgency is a really great uh, way to do that, and we'll have a link to the Novel Marketing Facebook group in the show notes. Our our sponsor today is a a new course that I've released recently called The Art of Persuasion. Uh, I said last week that I've been teaching this uh, for over 10 years. I've actually been teaching this for over 15 years. This is like a fundamental course, and it's changed quite a bit uh, since the first times that I taught this. I used to be a speech and debate coach, and I've had students that have gone all the way to the national uh, tournament and national championship in speech and debate, and I've also coached regular speakers and authors. There's a lot of fundamentals here into how to make your writing more persuasive. Uh, This is critical for nonfiction if you're trying to persuade people with your book, but it's also useful if you're writing uh, nonfiction if you're trying to persuade people to buy your book. (laughs) so if you thought this talk about marketing Uh, Psychology was helpful. We talk about a lot of other elements of persuasion in this course. And how about this for some creating some urgency for patrons? If you're an existing patron or a new patron and you become a patron by the end of February, you get the course for free. Otherwise, patrons in the future will be able to get it for 50% off. So the price is $49 patrons in the future. So if you're listening in the future, after the end of February 2020, uh, you can still buy the book uh, for $24.50. But if you sign up to be a patron at any level in the next uh, few weeks, you will get uh, the course for free how about that for creating urgency? (laughs) I'm trying to put uh, my money where my mouth is and give away a free course. Uh, Speaking of uh, patrons, a patron of the day is Benjamin Ellison, author of The Land Without Color. What if you were transported to a land without color and the only one who could restore it was you? So thank you, Benjamin, for being a patron of the Novel Marketing Podcast, helping us stay on the air. I really appreciate you. And if you would like to become a patron, uh, there is a link in the show notes. And if you can't afford to become a patron, don't worry. You can still help the show if you want to. Just leave a review on Apple Podcasts or on Podchaser. And I wanted to give a special uh, shout out to Tessa Candle, who left a hilarious review on Podchaser, uh, and and kind review, but really funny. Uh, So thank you, Tessa, uh, for your review. And thanks to all of you who've left uh, reviews for the podcast. I uh, really appreciate it. Um, I have been facing a new marketing challenge recently, one that has taken uh, my marketing expertise to the ultimate limit, and that is marketing to toddlers. And I've learned some things uh, trying to convince my daughter uh, to do some uh, to do things that I want to share with you because I think these principles are really powerful. But first, uh, my daughter has would like to share her three words. Can you say, Dada? Dada. Say, Mama. can you say baby say daddy say mama. mama thank you for indulging me i've been wanting to put mercy on the podcast for some time So our marketing challenge with my daughter, when she's not being totally adorable, is to get her to eat protein, especially protein in the evenings, so she doesn't wake up crying hungry in the middle of the night. We already have a newborn baby crying at 3 a.m. for food, and a toddler doing it as well is just too much. If Mercy had her way, she'd eat nothing but sweet fruit and pizza, and we don't want to feed her pizza all the time. So what do we do? Well, there's lots of different ways of solving this. I know many of you have had children and you've come up with really creative solutions on how to get your children to try foods they have never tried before. And what I did um, recently was I cut up some uh, meat for her in the shape of pizza slices and gave it to her and called it meat pizza. Now, this was meat that she had previously refused to try. But now that it was meat pizza, she was curious And she tried it, and wouldn't you know it, she liked it, (laughs) and everyone was happy. Uh, And a lot of book readers are like toddlers. They want the familiar. In fact, they only want the familiar. They want to read the authors that they already read. They want to read the genres that they already read. And this is a challenge for you as an author to acquire new readers. It's great if you already have happy readers they want to keep reading your books, right? An object in motion wants to stay in motion. But how do you get people to try you uh, in the first place? Well, you don't come to them and say, hey, I've got this brand new thing that's unlike anything you've ever read before. If you do that, they will close their mouths and turn away their heads like petulant toddlers. That's not what people want. That's not what most people want, especially as people get older. I feel like um, when people are in their teens, they're most open uh, to new experiences. But teenagers don't read a lot of new books. That's not the kinds of experiences they're wanting. And so for the most part, you are targeting people who are wanting the familiar. So what do you do? You convince them that your book is like other books that they already like, right? This is why my branding worked, because meat pizza is similar to pizza. It was like, well, I like pizza. I don't know what meat pizza is, but since I like meat pizza, maybe I'll give it a try. Now, this only works if the substance of your book backs up the packaging, right? If the branding of of ham is meat pizza, you know, if, if my daughter had disliked the meat, it would have Backfired if the food had tasted bad. And and so your book has to be good enough uh, to to fit with the cover, with the promises that you're making. So, a question I want to give you to ponder is Which successful author are you the most like? Which book, successful book, is your book the most like? Uh, You need a clear answer to this question. If your answer is, I'm unlike any successful author, no one is like me. Like I said before, readers are going to tighten their lips and turn away from you. Uh, You don't want to trigger that petulant toddler reaction. And you'll never get a chance for them to even taste your book and see how good it is. You have to convince them that you're a safe bet, that you're like other things that um, they already like. So, So just think about that. I know many of you have figured this out with toddlers. Just think of your potential readers as toddlers and your marketing will get a lot better. Uh, Do you have a question you want me to answer on a future show? Call our listener helpline, 512-827-8377. You can also leave a voice recording on authormedia.com slash contact. You've been listening to Thomas Umstead Jr. on the Novel Marketing Podcast, giving you innovative ideas on how to promote yourself and your writing offline, online, and everywhere in between. Thanks for listening.